Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we are ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? It's going good. Um, I got the new uh, Archie Comics novel. Ooh. It's called A Werewolf in Riverdale by Caleb Rorig. And it's about a werewolf that has come to Riverdale. That's incredible. So wait, so this isn't based on the show Riverdale. This is based on the Archie comics. Yeah, it's it's specifically an original Archie horror novel. So it's it's from it's actually based off of the Archie comic uh, Jughead colon the Hunger. <laughs> Jughead colon the Hunger. Yeah, where Jughead is one hungry for hamburgers, and also he's a werewolf and hungry for blood. <laughs> That's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. So wait, so this is, uh, th- th- all right. This is my thing with Archie though. Is I love the inexplicable thing where it's it's Archie that every like every writer sort of decides. What if Frankenstein's though? Like, what if we took the Archie gang and they met like the Predator or whatever? So I believe it was Chris Sims wrote about this. Every Archie character is a stock character, so they're mm-hmm. perfect for just anything with teens. You can add anything to them. Um, Kyle has been reading Betty and Veronica meets Vampirella and Red Sonia, where Vampirella from planet Draculon <laughs> travels back in time to the Hyborian <laughs> age to get Conan's girlfriend, Red Sonia, to kill vampires in Riverdale and just hang out with Betty and Veronica. I always forget that Vampirella is from planet Draculon. Where the water is blood, the oceans are salinated blood. <laughs> it just It's like a breath of spring every time I remember that. It's like the fact that there's um, the superhero Black Bolt, whose name is Blackagar Boltagon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just comics. I, I comics are so stupid, and I love them so much. Like They're absolutely really great. Yes. Oh, oh, of the Boston Boltagars. Like <laughs> that, some that was some writer. So I, I don't. It's incredible. I hope. I hope the writer who created that name like took took the the afternoon off. Um, Quincy, what what ghoul shit have you been consuming this week? So besides a werewolf in Riverdale, which, by the way, spoiler <laughs> right. alert, chapter one, Dilton Doily is murdered by a werewolf. D- who is Dilton Doily? Ryan, you don't know Dilton Doily? I don't know. Do- I don't. I don't know anything about Dilton Doily. I've never. I've Dilton never met the guy. Doily What's... is the Riverdale gang nerd. Oh, I should have guessed from the name Dilton Doily. Like that's Dilton Doily is perhaps best known for the one-page comic. Uh, uh, denim where they're parodying spider-man's venom and he gets a denim jacket that takes over his personality <laughs> listen that th- this is my understanding of attaching a venom band patch to a denim vest is that yeah. it utterly changes your personality i think you basically turn into the wrestler warhorse and that's just <laughs> that's just who you are now you're just like a metalhead who's like constantly like pile driving and 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 headbanging so perhaps the most ghoulish thing in the world is uh, being in touch with your emotions. So the cool <laughs> shit I've been up to this week is I've been listening to Beach Bunny's new album, uh, which actually came out in February, but is a solid banger and is perfect summer day sad music. So that's what I've been doing. Shit. What have you been up to, Ryan? Oh, geez. We, okay, so in my household, we finally... Um, 
finished watching Hannibal. Now, like back in the day, like around 2015 when season three, like the, the last season was going, I specifically did not watch the last two episodes of it because I was like, well, if I watch all of Hannibal, then it's it's done now and I can't watch any more Hannibal. Um, but the things that quarantine has driven me to it where I'm just sort of like, you know, I've got all of them on, on Blu-ray and I'm like, you know what? It is about time I find out what happened to those crazy kids. And we, you know, we, we, we marathoned all of it and we finished the whole series last night. And it is one of those shows that like, even while I'm watching it, I kind of can't believe that this thing exists. Like it's one of the most unreal things. Like the fact that they got away with this crazy, crazy shit on NBC of all places. Like it's sad that it only got three seasons, but it's a marvel that it got three seasons. You know what I mean? Is it one of those cases where no one was watching, so they got to do whatever they wanted? <laughs> See, this is actually, uh, are, you're, you're familiar with uh, Brian Fuller and the butt crack, right? Yeah, yeah. That uh, standards of practices are like, you can't show a butt crack. So they're like, all right, then we'll make you rue that, rue the day you denied that. <laughs> well, it's like, I'm sorry, did you just ask for a gore filled butt crack thinking this would upset them? And they were like, actually, that's perfect. Thank you for filling the butt crack with blood. Um, yeah, like, I think it's that they're somehow, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't watch network TV ever really so i don't know like maybe they're maybe nbc is already letting its freak flag fly i mean like law and order and like it or or csi you know like that's enough of that is yeah a cocoon in a throat is pretty mild compared to the stuff that's on csi absolutely like grandma watches Well, what's what's incredible? Yeah, exactly. Like what's incredible also about Hannibal is that like the the real fucking MVP on that show is the the food artist and like f- the the food photographer and everybody in charge of making that show look as fucking gorgeous as it looked. Like when you're watching Hannibal and you're hungry, that's the that's the good shit. When you're just sort of like, I mean, look, I know that that's supposed to be like a guy's brains breaded and you know covered in parmesan and. You know, all of this stuff and you're sort of like, I need it. Like, it looks great. Um, And also it's the fact that like Mads Mikkelsen in this role is he's so like, this is one of those shows that like every actor is just fucking perfect. Like season one, you get Eddie Izzard as Abel Gideon uh, and you get Eddie Izzard trying to do his very best American accent. And God bless him. He tries. Um, It's great. Like, it's just it's it's a great show. But like the problem is now I don't. I don't know what to do with myself now that I've watched all of Hannibal. So I recently rewatched Silence of the Lambs and forgot how fucking good that movie was. So maybe it's time you do a Hannibal franchise rewatch. We could do that. Um, although I feel like what I also want to do is that um, neither Sarah or Christina have seen Manhunter. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I desperately want to show the Manhunter. Like that movie gets so unfairly overlooked. I think like it's so so good. Also, I love the fact that they have to spell Hannibal Lecter L E C K T O R because they didn't technically have the rights to the name Hannibal Lecter. I love um, when this happens. It's the same thing with Doctor Mordred, which is a Doctor Doom or a Doctor Strange, um, excuse me, uh, movie. Is oh yeah. They're like, well, we'll just do it, and we'll worry about the legal stuff later. Oh no, it never got sorted. Oh well. It's like Canon. Uh, Canon Films used to just sell movies with uh, 
leading stars and then mm-hmm. call them and say you're starring in this movie and assume that they'd agree man just the absolute wild west honestly silence of the lambs like i know the transphobia pro- doesn't probably hold up but no, it doesn't it's it's pretty rough and and <laughs> it's very much uh buffalo bill is so well what's interesting about it is and we need to watch the whole movie again and have a discussion about this Hannibal Lecter straight up says he's not actually trans. He thinks he's trans because he is something else. Yeah, and I... Yeah. And, and and that line always get, gets my hackles up because I'm like, who the fuck are you to say that? Like, <laughs> immediately, like, like Hannibal, like, what, you're the trans whisperer? Like, Hannibal actor being like, no, no, it can't possibly be a real trans person. Like, it, it's, I don't know why I'm, yeah, that's that's a very bad Hannibal actor, Anthony Hopkins impersonation. Yeah. And um, also, like, but at the same time, Buffalo Bill, like, why are we saying, like, oh, sure, totally fair and appropriate thing to do. Yeah, it's, yeah, I just, it's, the problem is that it's just, that movie, I feel like, was really damaging for trans people, because, like, people doing the fucking goodbye horses routine. Yeah, but, but I just, mean, well, yeah, and that and, like, the crying game kind of came out at, like, the same time. Yeah, but, you know, that basement sequence with the night vision goggles, though, I'm saying, like, yeah, there's... There's there's some good shit. Um, so speaking of good shit, let's dive uh, into the uh, first movie uh, we're, we're we're doing on this episode. Uh, we are talking about um, Girl on the Third Floor from I 2019. Not like this movie as much as I did, I'm kind of upset with myself. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so wait, you you did like it or you didn't like it as much I, as I you love it. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I'm mad that I love it so much because it's not objectively a good movie. <laughs> Man, it's I, that's the thing is like so I was watching this movie um, with uh, my my little my little headphones plugged into the PS4 controller because like you know when it's when it's middle of the day and everybody's kind of working on stuff and I'm like hey I gotta take a minute to watch the gross jizz movie. <laughs> it with, is it's a jizz movie. Oh man, taking care of jizzness like it is just fucking. And the fact it is that this movie is a haunted broth. The the big reveal is it's a haunted brothel, and then yep. you realize oh it was supposed to look like jizz this whole time. It's incredible. So yeah, so it, the, the problem is like I was watching with my headphones and Christina. Now the thing is Christina and I both like have like love CM Punk. Like I know he's deeply you know shitty on a lot of levels, and he's cannot he's probably not a great person. But I just I'm always going to enjoy having CM Punk on my screen is and, what and it comes to, and to see CM Punk get pwned by so many <laughs> gallons of ectoplasm. It's deeply satisfying. It's yeah, it's just great. Like he's yeah. So so, you know, Christina, like I was watching it on mute and Christina was like uh, leaving the room. and was like, hey, Ryan, can you um can you pause this? Because I thought I wasn't watching it. But then it turned out that I totally was watching this on silent with the subtitles. <laughs> So, yeah, and it was so I watched it. Um, so let's let's so starting off, the movie starts with uh, there's a guy named Don Koch, uh, spelled K-O-C-H, which is weird, like calling him Don Koch. Uh, but Can he... we also talk about how bad that did CM Punk dirty that he's not named Don Pepsi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, of the Chicago Pepsis? <laughs> yeah, because... that's. 
He's CM Punk, so he cannot cover up all of his tattoos because all he is, he's more tattoos than man now. And he pulls <laughs> off his shirt, he's got that giant-ass Pepsi tattoo on yeah. his shoulder, and they're saying, ah, yes, Mr. Coke. <laughs> he's, You know, that's the problem is what he should have gotten was a giant Shasta Cola back piece. <laughs> <laughs> Just this huge, yeah, fucking Dr. Thunder. And that's, yeah. Um, and he, so Don Coke uh, is, you find out, um, I think he was a lawyer? I don't understand because it's, or, it's, it's fucking CM Punk. He is in the movie. <laughs> it's like... He's just in the movie as CM Punk. Like, yeah, they say, mm-hmm. oh, this is King Don. He made a lot of money and he cut a deal with the feds. My right. headcanon is that the original draft is he was a wrestler. Uh, because the, when he talks to Milo, he's like, well, I'm still working and it's hard, but it's an honest living. It's like, that's my headcanon is it's actually about leaving the Fed, WWE. And then all of the nods to like the feds and all that is the the you know wrestling. you know what it is that that bit um, when when CM Punk uh, left WWE and the fans were yelling at him on Twitter and they were like how dare you leave I bought your house if it's this house that they bought he could that's like all right you know what yeah you bought my house fuck you this is the worst <laughs> fucking house it is filled with semen the walls are falling apart so anyway so yeah so don coke um he he comes into the house and he's you know sort of uh, sort of boxes in hand and he's you know which by the way cm punk looking good he looks great in this movie yeah um, and i love that there's a moment where he pauses in the bathroom mirror and he's like oh i need to work on my gut and i'm like fuck you cm punk you are the- <laughs> If Man. that's the yeah, worst he, shape of your life, you could just deal with it. Unbelievable, right? So he, uh, so Don Coke uh, is, they, they never really specify what his job was before he cut a deal with the feds. He big was like, money. big sketchy money man. <laughs> yeah, his job was that money and he was money guy. And he, um, basically he's, he's a collection of bad decisions covered in tattoos. Yes, and which are another bad decision. <laughs> yes, many of them. Um, and so this guy, he is uh, apparently he was referred to as King Don because, like, the movie sort of tells you that he's like the sausage king of Chicago. He is Abe Froman, like he is the king of you know whatever it was he did, which was either lawyering or money having or land deals. Um, but what you what you find out is that. The, uh, what what CM Punk is doing as Don Coke in this movie is every horror movie that takes place in a house like this and it's that the family's been having a rough go of things and the dad of the family gets like buys a big haunted house somewhere and goes like, ah, this is going to be a great new start for our family and rushes headlong into the fucking ghost house. Um, and so his, his life was falling apart with his uh, pregnant wife because he made a series of fucking bad decisions. Like he he cheated on her. He defrauded a bunch of people of their of their retirement funds. And so that was the thing he had to cut cut a deal with the feds for. Yeah, and he's like, so I'm gonna buy this house to fix everything. <laughs> right. Now and, and so what he does is that he he has arrived to this house in the Chicago what, the outskirts of Chicago, the Chicago suburbs, the Chicago live area. They literally talk about like you go you come here to start a family. 
Right. So yeah, we're talking like he he moved to like Naperville or something. And so he uh, decides that he's going to go to the house ahead of his pregnant wife and fix the house up and get it in fighting trim, which I think according to this movie just means hitting everything with a hammer. It really is just he. Well, and I also love when his friend Milo comes to help him. And we have to talk in a minute about how much Milo is a saint. Oh, fuck yeah. When Milo shows up, he's like, where are your tools? And he goes here and he like points to a fucking hammer and a a screwdriver and that's it. And Milo's like, no, where are your real tools? (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, well, this is is what I got, Milo. And Milo's like, Jesus Christ, why am I friends with that? It's just a fucking hammer is all he has (laughs) in this movie. And he's just banging on stuff. Man, it's it's incredible. Like his his entire conception of how to be an handyman is just hit the shit out of everything with a hammer. Like, I don't think you particularly see him like doing plumbing or I mean, like what you see him with a no, paint the roller. Plumbing he does is he hits the pipe with a hammer and it breaks. Man, and he's like, fixed it. this is literally when all you got is a hammer. Every problem looks like a nail. This house is a nail and he will fucking destroy it like Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, he's like, um, huh, black mold is rotting the uh, rotting the woodwork. Let's hammer and knock it down. That's, put new that's how it's done. Its place and paint over it. Oh, look, it's coming back. Like what it's why we call always it. does when you try to paint over it. Who'd have thunk that would happen? <laughs> That's why, that's why we call it breaking the mold. Um, and he, so he's he's getting this house in order. And what's incredible is that the more he's like hitting the walls with a hammer and painting over stuff, this is a goopy fucking house. It is, it is, it is ripe. It is wet. It is gross. Okay, what's your favorite money shot of all of the times ejaculate-like substances come out of a pipe or a drawer or a hole in this movie? Ah, uh, geez, that's 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 a fucking great question because there's a lot of money shots. Like it is, <laughs> it is a it is a Peter North movie from hell, and the, and he is a house. Um, I, I think my favorite one is when he gets into the shower and you know the one I'm about to say um, <laughs> because we, we talked about this he so after having gone wow this house sure is full of fluid and um, after that was after he messed with the pipes and like black oil poured all out of the the sink so yeah. he knows the the plumbing doesn't work yeah so this this dumbass this fucking this guy he gets into the into the shower um without turning on the water first which by the way is crazy to me i don't even have ejaculate in my shower head to the best (laughs) of my knowledge i turn that shit on before i get into the shower yeah i never let the water touch me until i confirm with a toe or finger that it is uh my desired temperature Exactly. You'll die of fucking hypothermia otherwise, right? Like if you just step into a stream of water without knowing what's going on there. Yeah. Um, and also and just the big... first burst of the shower is always cold, no matter yeah. what. And that can fuck right on off. I ain't letting that water touch me. Absolutely not. But not CM Punk. He's a man of action. He's got a hammer. He doesn't listen to your rules. 
He's yeah, CM he Punk. another bad choice that Don in this movie makes. <laughs> he makes a lot of bad choices with fluids. Really, is what it <laughs> is what it comes is what it comes down to. He he turns on the faucet and, and it goes and then just like giant torrent of jizz just hits him in the face. Okay, but the comic timing of turning it on, it going blurp, and him not getting out of the way. <laughs> Yeah, he does like a he does like a confused dog ear to like boo, he, and, and he then... closes his eyes like it's gonna be a fucking herbal essences commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you ever just feel ejaculate all over him? <laughs> Do you ever feel less than fresh? Um, and he so it's he's having a bad time, and you find out like so he also is a bit of a drinker, which also I think I feel like this movie. Um, re- I don't know if it was like this before or after they got noted lifelong straight edge kid CM Punk. Uh, you mean the to man play. with drug free tattooed on his knuckles, which is visible in the film. Yeah, a man with a belly tattoo that says "straight edge." A, a man with like X's over his hands. Like it, it's a lot, and and he, you know, so he's a drinker, and also I think it's implied that he is down for a bit of the drugs as well. Yeah, um, yeah, he he never does those in the film, but we know that he's lying about drinking because in the beginning of the movie, he FaceTimes his wife and she's like, hey, why are there beer bottles everywhere? And he said, uh, it, there's just a bunch of old junk in this house. And then... Yeah, and he, well, and, and I think we're led to believe that uh, drugs and alcohol contributed to the Krakatoa of their home life before he decided to fix it with a house. Yeah. Um yeah. and so yeah, so he's he's back he is firmly back on his bullshit from frame one of this film. Um however, he does have someone to keep him honest, and it's Cooper the German Shepherd. Man, um, and and I keep thinking back to all of my uh undergraduate and grad school writing workshops where mm-hmm. the advice if you have a character that's a son of a bitch, give them something to like. <laughs> and my writing teacher literally said just give him a dog. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it works. I mean, yeah, like I know many people in real life who are irredeemable bags of shit who really love their dog. Yeah. Like that's not that's not out of the ordinary. And Cooper, the German Shepherd, is a very good boy. Except that um, Don in this movie is mean to his goddamn dog, too. Yeah, he's like he's shit talking his dog. Now, what's incredible is that um, the dog sort of just looks at him like judgment, judgmentally whenever he's like making bad decisions. Like there's one yeah, bit he where he pulls out his phone to watch porn and the dog is like, what is wrong with you? So he stomps upstairs <laughs> and locks the dog in the hallway while he cranks it to his phone. Man, that's you know what, though? I I feel that, though. Like if you're trying to rub one out and you've got a dog of any kind in the room or a cat or anything like I can't I've never it's not it's bad you don't want to fucking traumatize <laughs> this animal when I was a small Especially kid for, for what's so infuriating about that is let's talk about how dogs and cats literally suck their own dicks all day <laughs> <laughs> and you're like what you would begrudge me this like you, you like, who why can are make you using your hands you freak. yeah you who can make a, a lowercase letter c of your body to lick your own nethers <laughs> whenever the mood fucking strikes you you're gonna look at me askance for rubbing one out unacceptable um but cooper the dog uh is sort of the the greek chorus of this movie for a bit because uh what happens is that a uh a young lady named sarah 
who is sort of, um, I would describe her as sort of like a Megan Fox archetype. Megan Fox mixed with Manic Pixie Dream Girl, because she's like, well, yeah, Manic Fox in that she never closes her mouth and like always has like her teeth perched on her lips. But right. like, I just like this house, you know, give me a tour. Is there anything else you want to show me? Uh, well, yes, yeah. And like, so, well, he, he gets so he gets um, glopped in the face with demon jizz for like the 18 millionth time in this movie. And he like the wall decides that to pull his fucking card and just let him have it. And so he runs outside to like rinse the the, the brown goop off of his mug and there is Sarah standing there in what I would say she usually is wearing a sort of like vaguely almost schoolgirl outfit. Yeah, and and it is revealed that. I mean, do we spoil it? Oh, I think I think yeah, we can. We, we it's yeah, we not can spoil a spoiler it. to the movie. She's a ghost. Yeah, she's she's definitely a, a, a ghost who is. She she pops up and has this really off-putting energy. I really like this actor's energy because at first I thought, oh, is this actor not very good? And then I realized like, oh, no, she's just, this is what I realized, I think. And tell me if I'm wrong here. Her her mannerisms and affect and everything are calibrated to appeal to a guy like this. Yeah, yeah. She is torturing him because she is the ghost of a woman murdered in a brothel. Yeah. And so everything she does is designed to kill Johns. Yeah, which is just outstanding. And so she uh, seduces Don and, you know, he he basically, you know, she sort of flatters him that like, huh, I'm I'm you're you're much older than I am, old man, but I still think you got it. And, you know, she comes into the house and he's like showing her around and stuff. And then um, they they fuck. And then also Cooper is like. Don, what the fuck are you doing? Like from off, off the side, like he's <laughs> of course he's like, go away, dog. Get out of here, Cooper. Cooper is just kink shaming the shit out of Don throughout uh, the movie. He so he sleeps with Sarah, and then has a bunch of weird fucking nightmares, and it's sort of you know at this point something is amiss that even a fucking dumbass like Don can acknowledge. Like oh. This is things are not ideal right now. Oh, oh, and one of his nightmares is he's having sex with uh crap, what's her name again? Sarah? Sarah. He's having sex with the ghost, Sarah, and uh she drops a giant loogie of ectoplasm into his mouth. Man. And then she wakes up going, <laughs> cm good sport punk like he's you know massive massive fucking respect like cm punk was just like game for whatever fluid they wanted to throw at him and so we're also introduced to these things where it's marbles and the marbles are throughout this movie where it's just like they're rolling around the house what okay so what do you think the marbles are a metaphor for so Literally, the marbles are just that this girl went missing because they discover in the walls newspapers that say uh, little girl lost in brothel, never body never found or whatever. And then the ghost mm-hmm. says like, yeah, the owner of the brothel killed a little girl. And they find a dress and a wig in the wall. And um, right. there's this part where it's like, marbles like the marbles are a kid's toy 
So I guess it's something about like the childishness being in the the house. Uh, but also, well, he also says like at the end of the movie, Don is like, I tried to get every one of them, but I couldn't get them all. So maybe it's something right. like the piling up of, of bad choices or, or maybe it's just cause they roll around the floor and look ominous and it allows <laughs> yeah. for them to slip on them. Like it's fucking home alone, which happens in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, this movie does get super slapstick at a couple of points where it's like, you know, this really like this psychosexual nightmare that also has some funny pratfalls, which I always appreciate. Yeah, I, I almost it feels like a backdoor uh, Evil Dead 2 remake. Yeah. Oh, God. I honestly the marbles the instant thought that I had about the marbles was that like it's almost like the house is a mucusy mucusy uh, oyster that is making pearls. And like, it's just these little marbles and I, I don't know what it is. Like the marbles are so unnerving. Uh, and they, so they keep winding up in places and uh, Don is like, Oh no. Um, he, his penis is a bad decision machine. Like it yes. just, he's, he is, he is basically throughout this movie dragged by his dick to as many bad decisions as possible. And so after he um, sleeps with Sarah, his buddy Milo who is uh, a saint and the MVP of this film. Milo is so great because he shows up to help renovate this house and he's like, Don, there's a bunch of holes and jizz in the walls. What have you been doing? (laughs) And then he's like, hey, and this girl's (laughs) hanging around that's not your pregnant wife. What are you doing? And he says, my wife doesn't need to know. He's like, you fucking idiot. Also, the, the... the genius of the script that the only thing Don calls his wife is babe and bunny is just chef's kiss. Amazing. Yeah. Milo, um, he deserves better. So he, he comes around to help him and he, Don is just being a huge fucking dong to this guy. And when he confronts Don for cheating on his pregnant wife, um, and also clearly having like fallen off the wagon again, um, Don is basically like, yeah, I did it and it is what it is. So I, you know, if you have a problem with it, there's the door, you know, sort of, it's just him being like, excuse me for having enormous flaws that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me for not taking responsibility for my actions. <laughs> Such a shit bird. Um, and Milo is friends with um, Don's wife and he's like, what, what what the fuck am I supposed to, to tell her when I see her again? Like, how am I even supposed to make eye contact with her? And he's, he's basically like, you know what? You figure it out. That's not my problem. And he just at every step of the way, uh, Don finds a, uh, a new and exciting way to be the worst person who's ever lived. Yeah. And then sweet baby Milo gets murdered and stuffed yep. in the walls. <laughs> Yeah, he gets like lured down to the basement and then Sarah um, uses uh, a hammer to just bash his fucking head in. Um, and then some more stuff happens. Um, Don, so babe, sweet Cooper, sweet Cooper, the, the German shepherd, um, gets also lured downstairs with a marble. And uh, then Don uh, figures out that um, he got put in the dryer and killed. Yeah, so the dog dies in this movie. Not fun. Also, uh, all cops are bastards. Uh, Don calls the police, and the police are like, there's no evidence to do anything. Uh, I can't help you. 
and and Don is like, what the fuck? Like, you're supposed to protect and serve. Do something. And they're like, yeah, we can't do anything for you, man. Sorry. Oh, um, he's like, here's my number. And then later, when when ghosts happen, Don calls this number, and it's the officer's voicemail. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. Listen, only trust your fists. Uh, police will never help you. Um, <laughs> it's it's incredible. And so the dog dies. So uh, Don decides to 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 sort of take matters into his own hands, and he um, sort of you know he he fakes contrition basically where sarah come, sarah has been coming around and he's been like hey listen we had fun that was really hot but if you ever fucking come near my house again i'll fucking kill you sort of just like you know don't you dare come back to my house after i invited you in and fucked you yeah very distressed white man in a movie yeah yeah and he's like i love my wife which is always in these movies like Honestly, uh, American Horror Story Murder House uh, walked so that girl on the third floor could run. Um, <laughs> did you ever Did you ever watch Murder House? No, I never got around to watching that one, but I do know that it is just like shit bird. Oh yeah, yeah, like being Dylan, a shit Dylan, bird. Yeah, Dylan McDermott in um, American Horror Story is basically this the same character, which was like. Uh, I fucked around on my wife and was a shitty husband and a bad father and I relocated all of us to this big scary house full of murder ghosts in an effort to assuage my guilt and give myself the impression that I'm, I'm doing something about it. Um, honestly, I think it's one of the things, by the way, that I love so much about uh, Girl on the Third Floor is the fact that like uh, Don is, w- when he talks to his wife, or anybody he's always like yeah i got a lot of work to do on the house you know like i gotta i'm i'm a i'm a large hammer swinging tool man and i like to be around the house and do work all the time it's good and he it's basically you know i feel like it's a huge perfect takedown of like the red-blooded american male yeah it's it's uh it reminds me a lot of the father and the witch how the only thing he's good at is chopping wood so it's all oh, he yeah. does and it's like our house is falling apart and we're starving to death and we're being beset gotta, upon by the supernatural and you're just out here chopping logs because gotta you're chop useless. That wood. yeah yeah and it's incredible like you know he's the only thing he knows how to do on this house is destroy it also he's not even building anything he's not fixing anything he's just beating the shit out of this house with a hammer and being like i'm doing important work um it kind of reminds me did you ever play octodad dadliest catch yes super good game. yeah it's perfect there's a level in octodad where he where octodad is like at a chuck e cheese kind of arrangement and his wife is trying to talk to him where it's like hey there's something really weird about the way you're acting and i really want to talk to you and figure this out and the 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 level mission is like win as many prizes for her as possible, then that'll fix it. And you're just like doing all these little mini games while your wife is like, hey, no, talk to me, talk to me. And you're just like, I need to win you a stuffed monkey. Um, (laughs) And this is basically that where it's like, Don can't do the basic work of maintaining his relationship. And he, you know, he can't like Liz, his wife, Liz, like he can't be useful in any other way than the ways he thinks he can do anything, which is just like, I'm the large man doing the big business job. And well, it's so fucking empty. Yeah, it, but it's the it's this whole like criticism of the patriarchy, which is a really smart way to do it. And what's great about horror is it's a big fucking goopy dumb movie. It's a goopy movie. 
And yet it's also <laughs> saying like, hey, toxic masculinity is damaging to all of us. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts everybody. Like also, hurts, uh, hurts Don's wife is the hero of the film because Don tries to kill the ghost and fails. And then the last 20 minutes is uh, Don's wife rescuing everything and like putting the, the ghosts to to rest. Yeah, like Liz. Well, it's incredible. So he gets so Don uh, finally get like he, he fakes contrition and is like, hey, I'm really sorry. I'm a piece of shit to, to Sarah before Liz shows up. And, you know, he's like, I got a present for you in the kitchen. And, and Sarah's like, oh, a, a present, a, a present from a married man. Sounds a lot like a bribe, which I love. Um, and she goes into the kitchen and then he whacks her on the back of the head with the mallet or with the hammer. And he like tries to dis- dispose of the body. And anyway, he gets his shit super wrecked. There's a scene that will make me squirm for the rest of my life, which is one of the marbles rolls up his leg and burrows into his skin. Yeah. And, and you see it roll under his skin and pop out of his eye socket. <sighs> it got me, man. Like that was, yeah. that was fucking harrowing. Like it, the, it, any, anything gross. sort of sub like sebaceous or something that's just like it's it's right beneath the skin and it's moving a blah, 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 blah. can't even do it cannot yeah. do it yeah, um it's, it's very it's gross. a lot so he 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 dies uh and liz sort of comes around to be like all right great i'm here and then don is nowhere to be found and she finds beer bottles over the fucking place and she's like jesus christ like she knows like she knows that don has fallen off the wagon and that he's probably his penis is a dowsing rod that only finds bad decisions, and this has probably been true while he's been gone. What um, she finds out is that, like, so she meets Sarah, sort of, and, you know, realizes that this whole building was a brothel back in the day. Yeah, and then there's this weird cryptic part where, at the end, the neighbor from the beginning of the movie, who's the pastor at the church, is like, oh yeah, I watch everyone entered this house and it's like some kind of cosmic test and you're the only one who's passed it's not the fortress of solitude it's the fortress of squalid dudes like, it's just <laughs> it's gross dudes making bad shitty decisions and hurting people i love um, that the bartender says to don are you queer because if you're not you shouldn't live in that house because you're gonna make bad decisions <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If it's it's listen, if you're a straight person moving into that house, it's gonna you're gonna have a bad fucking time. Um, <laughs> now, so she there's a bit that I love very very much in this movie where um, Liz finally is confront, confronting Sarah, um, or not not confronting Sarah, but like sort of seeing what happened to Sarah um, when this place was still a brothel and how she's getting like sort of you know beaten by shitty dudes and like sort of tortured publicly for everybody's entertainment. Um, and she kind of escapes and gets into a room and then Don uh, crawls out of uh, one of the rooms and is just like, well, like I'm, you know, sort of whatever. And he asks for her forgiveness and is just sort of like, listen, I fucked up. I know I did, but I, I can change, baby. Just give me one more chance. And it's great because he's like, I, I can change. Can you just tell me that it's OK? And then she just, you know, pauses and just goes, no, no, it's not fucking OK. Like, this is not OK. And what you have, what you've done isn't OK. And. Really what it comes down to is, I think the thesis of the movie, and tell me if I'm wrong, there are only so many times you can forgive someone. I think I think that's something. And, and you know, sometimes things are so bad, you just have to... Some things are unfixable, uh, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes you just have to move forward from that. 
Yeah, and, like, Don is clearly not going to change who he is by this point. Like, if his behavior tanked his his and her life before, and he's back here doing it again... So what it, you think it's Don, and then... That's such a good moment, I don't want to spoil that. Oh, that's fair. That's fair, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to... All right, I'll leave that one alone. So anyway, he, he does the thing. And then, basically, what, what you learn is that if Sarah had forgiven him she probably would have gotten killed yeah like liz would have absolutely uh killed her and kept her in the house she gets out entirely because she's not willing to fucking accept don's behavior as being okay yeah like and sarah sort of respects it maybe the most buckwild stinger so because liz doesn't forgive don sarah kills him and uh the end of the movie is Liz still lives in the house now that the ghost has been exercised and she has her baby and the baby's in the crib and marbles start falling from the ceiling and Don is in the grate of the ceiling saying, hey baby girl, I brought you presents. And it's like, even in the afterlife, Don doesn't know you don't give a six month old fucking marbles. <laughs> Even from beyond the grave, he cannot be trusted to make good decisions. <laughs> I, I love so much, by the way, and we should comment here, the the practical effects in this movie are fucking bananas good. They're very good. Um, Sarah crushes the zombified, the ghost zombie whatever corpse of the little girl that was buried in the walls, and it's just like a hollow gourd filled with various fluids and it's very Man. good it's it, i think these are some of my favorite practical effects i've seen appropriate enough with that fucking hammer <laughs> yes it's you know what this is this movie is primarily a love letter to hammers i think <laughs> um it's it is just the, and now and as we've said maybe once or twice on this podcast it is a goopy movie but the like the guy they got to do the effects on this movie it is just a delight to watch like all of the physical effects are just incredible. Um, but I love also that when they're dropping the marbles uh, on onto the uh, into the daughter's crib at the end, those are absolutely CGI marbles because I think the director even was probably like, you don't give a, an infant marbles. Yeah, they're like, not absolutely kidding. not. We're not that stupid. <laughs> so where do you want to rank this movie on our giant list, Ryan? Oh boy, that is a great question. Let me, hold on, let me... Okay. Okay. So is it better or worse than Poltergeist? Oh, I think it's not as good as... So, yeah, as far as haunting movies go, I think it's kind of the opposite. It's kind of like a photo negative of Poltergeist to me because it's sort of... Poltergeist is this family trying its best and, you know, everybody in... uh, Like, you want this family to be okay. You do not want Don to be okay. Like you want to watch him get fed into the fucking wood chipper. Like he's, he does not deserve to survive this movie, um, which like doesn't make it better or worse than Poltergeist. But I think that, man, I really, really love this movie, but I think maybe, you know what it is? Poltergeist at least had that baller John Williams score. I think if this had a better score, because like a lot of the score is just sort of like, what like punk and sort of like deathcore and just kind yeah of... it's just the music he's listening to on his headphones 
So this movie reminds me a lot of Ethan Embry in The Devil's Candy. Oh, yeah. But I would wager that this is more fun than The Devil's Candy was. Yeah, and although, honestly, we, we really should give props here. CM Punk does a banger of a job in this role. Yeah, like, it's it's shocking how good he is in this movie. Yeah, like he's he's basically playing CM Punk a lot of the time, but A, I'm good with it, and B, I feel like he embraces this character and is just like, I don't know, he's he's not just doing CM Punk though. He's doing every version of every shitty dude. Like he's just leaning into that little smirk he can do where it's just him being as much of a shit bastard in this role as possible. And I like how much he fucking commits to it. Um, but yeah, I think it's better than The Devil's Candy. Which number is uh, The Devil's Candy at? That is 159. Now, at number 152 is the movie The Untamed, which is about shitty husbands having an affair with fuck aliens while your wife is also having an affair with the same fuck alien. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah, <laughs> man, the Untamed is just great. The f- the fucking tentacle fuck alien. It's perfect. Um, I actually, I think between the Untamed and Girl on the Third Floor, both of which are very moist movies, uh, I feel like I, I want to give the edge to the Untamed, at least because I've seen movies like Girl on the Third Floor or, for example, whole seasons of American Horror Story like it. I don't think I've ever seen a movie quite like The Untamed. Yeah, for sure. Now, Return to Oz is a wildly different movie, but that's at 155, (laughs) which is more traumatizing. Oof. You know, I'm only... I mean, the thing is, of course I'm going to say Return to Oz because I saw that when I was a kid. So, of course, I'm just like, oh no, those fucking wheel guys on all fours, just sphincter clenching. Don't even talk to me about them. Um, But I think genuinely, Girl on the Third Floor... I think the visuals are more upsetting and more visceral. Like the, I, and I think the the practical effects go a long way for me, certainly. Um, yeah, but sure. yeah, I think I want to give the edge to that. My question for you, Quincy, at number one hundred and fifty three, we have Wishmaster, which is also a very wet movie, um, <laughs> and it's, also it's just, about it's, very bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about glistening fluids and bad choices all around. That's there's a theme on this podcast. Um, which which do you think is better, Wishmaster at 153 or a girl on the third floor? Now, I think I'm going to, this is going to be one of those things that we're going to get tweets and we're going to get complaints in the Discord. Mm-hmm. But for now, I would say Wishmaster is better. But in 10 years, when CM Punk has become the Bruce Campbell of the 2020s, God we're going to want to reverse that decision. Yeah, honestly, this is... I'm glad he had a secondary career outside of WWE that worked out. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> better than his MMA career. I want to see him in more stuff. Like, he's he's genuinely great in, uh, in this movie. And I kind of want to see, like, what else he can do. Yeah, for sure. Like, I know direct-to-Netflix movies are pretty low stakes. But, I mean, if John Morrison can do it and be fine... <laughs> Why not get someone who can do it a little bit better? Absolutely. John Morrison, who, by the way, did once actually grate uh, cheddar cheese on his abs uh, during a, a radio interview. Um, so I, I, another another good sport. Um, <laughs> right below Wishmaster at 154 is Virus from 1999. And I feel very comfortable uh, giving the edge to uh, Girl on the Third Floor. Yeah, because Virus is like biopunk weirdness, but 
It's not. It's it's very 1999. <laughs> yeah, like I I like biopunk a lot, and I like sort of body horror stuff, but it's like it's fine. It's like it's middle of the road biopunk. Yeah, the toy line was better than the movie. Oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I feel good about it. So coming in at our new number 154 is Girl on Third Floor from 2019. Um, guys, it's on Netflix right now. Like, I, I watch it with a date. Like, find find somebody to watch this movie with and react to all the goopening in real time. The goddamn goopening in this film is best viewed in a group setting. Take I cackled me. so hard. This is a movie to watch with friends. So yeah, let's talk it's, about it's, it's The Deadlands on Shudder. Man, guys, I, I here's the thing. I've realized something important because now we're, we're, we're recording this episode in the year of our Lord, Arn Anderson, 2020. And I feel like at this point, if anything is a zombie property, instantly I'm not super excited about it because we've just we've seen so much zombie shit. Um, all you have to do to make me care about a zombie thing is make it like put it in another place without white people. Yes, and this is an entirely New Zealand Maori native production. Yeah, like it's it's they're based a lot in like Maori like uh, mythology and cultural uh, stuff, and it's it's incredible because all right, so the it's um, the, the long I would pitch it as a TV show that's Moana about zombies. It is very Moana, where it's you've got the sort of the Maui character. All right, so so let's get into it. So it starts uh, the pilot episode of it um, starts with a guy who uh, his, name, his name is Waka, and Waka gets uh, he gets killed and sent to the afterlife, and basically gets bounced from the afterlife because he's a piece of shit. Yeah, they're like, we don't want you here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like everybody in afterlife is like. Yeah, but uh, we like to have a certain class of clientele here in the afterlife. You're going to have to... Sorry, man. You're going to have to go back around that velvet rope and come back in through the through the line. We're not going to let you in until you go back uh, into the land of the living and fucking be a better person and shoot, like sort of prove that you deserve to be in, in, in the afterlife. And so he gets, he gets kicked out of hell. Um, and he's... I realized uh, Waka is basically... Ash Williams from Army of Darkness. Oh yeah, he's a fuck up. He's he's a fuck up who's really good at killing people and if it doesn't involve using knives, which by the way, the knives used on this show I am in love with. They are they look like paddles. Yeah, like, they're very cool and they're super sharp. I think they're like some sort of bone or precious mineral that's sharpened. I can't quite tell what it is, and I'm not a um, South Pacific major, so I don't know right. anything about history, but they're really cool. Yeah, and he basically, he comes back and he's... So we, we jump to uh, a village where uh, Mehe is a... Um, she's a she's a lady in a village who like is sort of her dad goes missing. There are zombies coming she's around. The princess, but like she doesn't want to do girly things, <laughs> right? Well, and the her thing is she's brother not... is the heir apparent, and he just sucks. So she's oh, like, yeah. I'm gonna do what I want to because I'm not in line for the throne, and I actually care about this more than than you do, brother. It's it's a dynamic I think I've seen a lot in real life where there's like in a family the boy of the family is allowed to sort of get away with murder and if you're the daughter you have to be 
like, you know, home by eight o'clock every night and, you know, have all your, P, you know, mind all of your P's and Q's and be very, you know, fastidious about stuff. And if you're the, the guy, you could just be like, I'm going to piss on the ground. And nobody really does anything about it because he's just he what she comes back to the village with like a, a dead crow. That's like an auger. That's basically like, hey, guys, something bad is coming. Well, and, it's a it's not a crow. So here's our my bird nerd. Uh, oh, I'm so excited. It's like a tropical bird. So it's supposed to be like bright colors, but it's all black. So they're like, something is wrong with this bird. We don't have black birds on our island. So, yeah. So uh, this is a, I'm sorry, um, a tropical bird. And it, w- what's the, what's the thing that it signifies? Well, it's the wrong color. It's like black. And, um, his mother is like something's wrong if the land is rejecting its own like creations and then the brother's like you done fucked up way you brought a curse to our village when you could have just <laughs> left it in the forest yeah you you dragged you dragged bad luck to our village and so what happens is that um her her father who's the head of this village um well he gets he gets taken so Mahay realizes that if she can find this warrior, she can get her um, dad back. And Waka realizes that if he drinks all of Mahay's royal blood, that gives him like a, a speed pass, like a, a Disneyland day pass, so that he can go to the front of the line and get back to the afterlife. <laughs> Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's a real, it's a real Moana Maui situation. He, um, so she, he's just been booted from, uh, purgatory basically. And she is sort of like, look, you help me out. I'll help you get where you're going. And it basically, I, this is my favorite goddamn trope is when there's like a sort of crusty warrior guy who's like, I don't know, getting paired up with like a, a whip smart girl who's just like, you know, like sick of this guy's shit and needs to get shit done. And she's like, fine, you're the best at hit guy. I guess you'll do. And and then the rest of it is the series that I definitely want to watch. And I strongly recommend everyone else check out because the, the pilot is really good. The pirate, the, the pilot is fucking great. I think it's also, it's one of these shows that, it's doing stuff that I haven't really seen before because I don't really know anything about like Mary culture or like mythology or any of that. Yeah. And also a show where there's literally no white people. It's, it's just great. And also there's a thing that I like very much, which is that you kind of find out that Waka is like a himbo. He gets (laughs) roasted by everybody on this show. Yeah, everyone like, thinks Wakai is just the fucking worst. And and even his own mother, like the ghost of his mother is giving him advice and is like, listen, dum-dum, this is what man. you need to do. Even his mother is roasting him just rotten. Like, it's incredible. Like, he in the afterlife, he's like, yeah, you always were a dumb piece of shit. Um, <laughs> and there's, there's a thing that I love very much from the show, which is the dead lie. And it's just this idea, like, I love that it deconstructs the thing of like, Listen, man, just because a dead person is saying something doesn't make it so like. Yeah, yeah, because I think the the really the part of the show that made me like hooked and I'm ready for the next episode is the show ends with Waka's mother saying, just go ahead and kill her now, because the deal is Mahay says, if you give me what I want, I'll give you my blood willingly and you can just have it and and be that because my family matters more to me than um my life 
And yeah. uh, Wakanda's mother is like, just take it now. Just kill her while she's sleeping and be done with it. And you can just zip back on into your happy afterlife. And the last scene of the show is Waka like coming behind Mahay with a blade. And he stops and says, uh, and she stops and says like, what are you doing? And he's like, nothing. The dead uh, lie. Don't talk to the dead. And then they continue on their adventure. Yeah. And yeah. And it's the fact that like dead people are still just people and like beholden to the same bullshit as the rest of us. Like, don't don't believe a thing is so just because a dead person told you. Yeah. There's um, no like high morality just because you die. People are still greedy and <laughs> uh, self-centered. Yeah, it's it's great. So, yeah. So, man, I'm I'm really, really excited for everybody to watch this. Like it's, it's going to be on Shutter. It's it's fucking great. I cannot. I'm going to I know I'm going to shotgun all of it because. I mean, there's it's only eight quarantine. episodes too. What what we're honestly going to have to do is come back and rate the rest of the season for sure. And but also, it's now, you know we're watching this in the middle of a quarantine. Like, what the fuck else are we going to do? Of course, I'm going to watch eight episodes of this. For now, let's put the first episode on the list. Definitely. So, looking down the list, um, let's see. At number <laughs> at number one sixty nine, we have The Fly, uh, from nineteen eighty six, um. I feel like The Fly is better than the pilot episode of Deadlands. I think that's fair. Is there an X-Files episode in this area of the list? I think not in this area. I'll tell you uh, what, closest... it's definitely better than, uh, given recent news, is fucking uh, Castlevania. Boy, Jesus. that Oh, God. I hadn't thought about Castlevania. That is... That is a sadness. Um, which so Castlevania uh, season one is at number two hundred and seven. Um, just because of the uh, the revelations about Warren Ellis, I feel good about putting this above Castlevania right now. Oh, for sure. I also think it's better than uh, Twilight, which is at number one eighty. Oh, very good. Listen, I, I I love that garbage movie. Um, so right above Twilight, and this is where I've got trouble. Is it from twenty seventeen? I feel like it. Uh, might be better than the pilot episode of Deadlands. And I think it's mostly because, I mean, and it's, you know, it's a it's the, a pilot episode of a TV show, so it's not going to be able to accomplish the stuff that a, a major Hollywood movie can accomplish. But I think it had, like, at least better effects because a lot of the effects in Deadlands, and, I, I you know, it's a budgetary thing, but I think the direction was really, really good because it sort of had to cut away on a lot of shots to sort of make it look more expensive than it probably was oh yeah it, it's very nice in that regards but but you're right it's not really the same An another thing that i think is not to turn your nose up at is it takes stephen king's novel and distills it in a really good way where you know things like preteen gang rape aren't included <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's i i, I it is a uh, the movie It is deeply fucking flawed in a lot of ways, but I think it distills a lot of stuff about that enormous tome of a novel that I, I, I feel like it did a pretty good job. So I feel pretty good uh, about coming in at our new number 180 is uh, season one, episode one of Deadlands, uh, Tell the Dead I'm Coming. All right, Ryan, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find us online? 
Well, uh, listeners can find us uh, as ever on Twitter, p- uh, uh, permanently and abidingly shit posting at Rank and Vile Cast. Uh, we are on Tumblr at Just Rank and Vile and on Instagram at Just Rank and Vile. Um, I know we weren't able to get around to any uh, requests today, but uh, gentle listener, if you have a movie that you really, really want us to watch, like let's say you're like, well, I see you've done Wishmaster, but where the hell's Wishmaster 2? Please request Wishmaster 2. Um, you're going to want to send that request either to rankandvilecast at gmail.com or put it in our ask box on Tumblr. Um, guys, uh, we love uh, we love you so much, and we love doing this podcast, and you guys are the greatest. Uh, I say you guys sort of gen- in a gender-neutral way, but I just realized, fuck Y'all, that. because y'all. y'all means all, Ryan. Y'all means all. Y'all are the greatest, and we love doing this show, and we love doing it for you specifically. Um, if you are a fan of what we do on the show, uh, and you're into our, our whole thing, um, please, a, a gentle um, suggestion to uh, consider giving us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us get up the bracket. Um, it, it, it's, it's enormously appreciated. And also, thank all of you guys who have already, um, you know, rated and reviewed us. Um, and yeah. even what's even better than that is if you, especially if you don't use iTunes, if you're Android like me, um, there, give side. us a thumbs up on Stitcher or just tell a friend like, hey, have you listened to this podcast? Like word of mouth is shockingly effective. Yeah, I would I would say, yeah, word of mouth is crucial to, to what we do. Um, we have a Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash rank and vile. Um, if you uh, sign up for it, it'll give you access to our show notes. Uh, we send out uh, boxes of stuff periodically. It's kind of weird uh, right now because of uh, the Rona, um, but bear with us. Um, we also uh, have available on our Big Cartel at bigcartel.com slash rank and vile. Um, the, uh, we have uh, big uh, stickers of our Wreck and Vile uh, skull and palm tree logo that uh, for $5, um, we will uh, donate uh, all proceeds uh, from that to Reclaim the Block, which is a uh, Minnesota initiative to uh, defund the police and, and uh, reallocate those funds, which, by the way, um, I think Minnesota is literally disbanding the police, so it's going to help them, you know, sort of relocate funds and find other places to put them. Um, but yeah, uh, Quincy, what am, what, am I, what am I forgetting? Am I forgetting anything? I think that's it. It's an exciting time to be alive. It's, it's, it certainly is. I hate it. Stay uh, later, later, folks. Be safe. <laughs>